When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Spring has sprung, and apparently that means all you filthy types who like to have bald downstairs parts are now going to shave your knackers. Now, I think it's a bit wrong this right because if you are quite happy with pubic hair in the winter to keep your balls warm i think it's a little bit hypocritical of you to turn around now and say look at this i've got a basted turkey ready for you but that's apparently what a lot you do and if you're going to do it there's only really one product you can use to do that and that is of course manscaped and you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped if you use the code rangers just go to manscaped.com they are as you know the best in their ball care bundle ball care bundle when i'm taking care of my balls i get told to take my hands out my trousers it's it's wrong, I tell you. But uh, it's, uh, it's got everything. The lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker, the ear and nose hair trimmer, and trust me, we do all need those. Uh, the crop preserver bald... Oh, Jesus Christ. The crop reviver... To- reviver? Toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The lawnmower trimmer is an elite electric trimmer that provides a proprietary advanced skin-safe technology because nobody wants... God almighty, can you imagine getting a neck down there? Jesus, oh my God. Um, oh, and you, 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 really, you really couldn't go to your you know, your work nurse and ask her to put a plaster on it. I mean, you, you get in trouble for that these days. But uh, it's waterproof and supplied with an LED light. So high technology perversion. I love all this stuff. But yes, go to manscaped.com and type in the code RANGERS. You'll get 20% off and free shipping and you'll be walking about with testicles as fresh as a summer morn. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar. As always, I am your host and I'm joined this week by what does sound like a, a good name for a solicitor, a trustworthy solicitor. First of all, it's the esteemed older gentleman of Heart and Hand, Alan Bradley. 
Hello, David. Uh, delighted to be on, obviously, with my business partner. And I think off the record, we'll maybe have a wee look at your financial needs and any other legal aspects. Yeah? Exactly. I think, you know, um, yeah, it would work, wouldn't it? Bradley and Barnett solicit or Barnett and Bradley, because, yeah, that, that, I think that scans better. So, of course, that means it's Andy Barnett. Good afternoon, Andy. Hi, hi, David. How are you doing? I'll let Alan be the one to look at your uh, your financial records. I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they, they, they are in order, but um, uh, I've driven several accountants to nervous breakdowns over the years. <laughs> David, just give, just give me your bank account, sort codes. Ah, and your, you know, details. I'll deal with it. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll send me 150. Th- I send you money and uh, yeah, I, I'm heir to a fortune in Nairobi. No, yeah. um, no, uh, you're all right. So a weekend, uh, of course, it's our Rangers march on triumphantly. That's maybe... Pushing that about into the semi finals of the Scottish Cup. Wraith Rovers arrived at Ibrox and were defeated 3 0. Before we get to the game, there was a bit of controversy pre match, and of course, there was no Union Bears in the stadium yesterday. Uh, this was a protest after they had banners removed. Uh, they went up to the Grand Ole Opry and displayed a banner saying Ross Wilson, director of failure which anyone who listens to this show will know I certainly have a bit of sympathy for that viewpoint. And they, they decided that they, because of this protest, they, they wouldn't take in the match. Yesterday, I broke suitably quiet afterwards. Rangers put out a statement saying that it was an anti-police banner that was removed and not any anti-board ones. Uh, the, the banner in question, according to the papers, is one of a pig in a policeman's uniform with the legend 1312. For those of you who don't know what that means, it's the alphabetical order of ACAB, a.k.a. all coppers are bastards. Alan, your thoughts, first of all, on the he said, she said of who's in the right and who's in the wrong here, or are Maybe they're both right or they're both wrong. That happens as well in life. And, of course, the, the fact that the atmosphere yesterday did suffer as a result because the Union Bears do provide a, a hell of a great noise at Ibrox. Yeah, it's funny. You're asking someone who in the 70s was probably doing a bit of jumping and singing and whatever and calm down. The only thing I've got, David, is I think Abacab is an excellent Genesis album, so I'm confused with some <laughs> of this. But, you know, I'll try and work it out. But, no, no seriously... God, I mean, folks in both. I think the Union Bears, they do a hang of a lot of good, add a lot of colour, a lot of noise and so on. I think at times they kind of go over the line as well, you know, where it does kind of, it doesn't really kind of put them in a great light and so on. So do a lot of great stuff at other times. I don't know, come on, boys, you know, just kind of watch it. But it was funny, David, The again, you're getting different stories, aren't you? I think I picked up the Union Bears were talking about just the Ross Wilson one, and then suddenly we hear about, hold on, it was the police one too. So I, f- I found that kind of quite strange. I'm, I'm not the kind of the biggest for kind of protests and so on, because the old bear, I probably would have went behind the stand years ago, you know, as they were coming out. But I, I do think legitimately fans are entitled to, I don't know, express their displeasure and so on. Uh, I, I'm, no, I'm not happy with the kind of police one, because I don't think that paints Rangers support overall in a, a kind of good light, Davey, so... Probably didn't answer, didn't answer your question. I, I would rather really we were just talking about Rangers, how they did in the atmosphere and the ground and so on. So it would be good if they can get this thing sorted out, quite frankly. My only other thing is I know the Rangers does. Okay, the atmosphere was shocking and I know the Union Bears had a lot. If they weren't there completely, I'm sure ultimately Rangers fans would go back 
you know, and, and make a bit of noise and so on and get behind the team. So we don't really need the organised stuff. But you know, at the moment, it's been working well. We just kind of cool it down a wee bit. Same with all the flares and all that as well, David. At times, I don't know. It just seems as if they're more focused on who we, what songs can we do. And some of them, by the way, are getting a bit, hold on. Uh, and I think the other one too is, it's as if at times they seem to be thinking more about how did we do as a fan base at the game? And it's the same with that mob over, at, obviously, at Parkhead as well, rather than, I don't know, the team. My last one before I shut up, the example that I think scunnered me as well was remember way back in Aberdeen Cup game where the guys obviously were, they weren't uh, happy about not being able to move to the middle. So they kind of went in the huff, didn't they, and didn't sing during the first half, then came on. I don't like that. You know, I, I think ultimately get into the game and cheer the guys on. Do your protests, but you just need to be careful with what you're coming across with too. Yeah. In their defence, Andy, um, they do get hassled by the police. Fan groups do tend to, especially at away games in particular. And again, you know, there's a lot of talk about free speech football over the last week. Certainly not getting into that because it got very tedious very quickly. But in terms of protesting, then fair enough. I think that the police were you know, DEFCON 3 level after the doxing by the Green Brigade and probably were more sensitive at the weekend than they previously would have been. Um, for me, the the whole he said, she said is simply resolved. Take the Ross Wilson banner. They still have possession of it, clearly. Take that to the Dundee United game. If you get stopped from flying it, then we'll know. If you're allowed to fly it, then great. But there's absolutely nothing wrong with fans protesting about the performance of the team if they do it in a respectful and polite manner. And that banner was respectful and polite. It wasn't offensive. It didn't say anything against the... Uh, personally about Ross Wilson. It was speaking purely about his performance as director of football of Rangers. And therefore, I, I failed to see how people could have a problem with that. Even if you disagree about Ross Wilson, it's a perfectly, I think, um, understandable viewpoint. It is, um, and I hope that uh, they didn't have that one removed solely for for the, for it being on its own. Uh, but I do agree that the other one should have been removed. Uh, uh, the one about the police officer. By the way, that is not just uh, in, in Glasgow. You see that. You see that where I am. The ACAB. It's, it's you a, see it everywhere. It's an ultra yeah. thing. Yeah, it's an ultra thing. I, I've got no time for it personally. But it's a real shame. Watching the game on the TV yesterday, you could hear the players and the managers mm-hmm. shouting. Yeah. That's how quiet it was. And that's the quietest I've seen Ibrox in a long time. Now, we know home atmospheres are not genuinely very, very good. The away atmospheres are tremendous with our fans. But the, I, I really think that, you know, the, ultra, the ultras, the, the Union Bears have brought so much, and especially with some of the displays they've done over the years and the noise that they create. But... The big mistake that they've got, I think that they've got, David, is that they feel, I think, a bit self-entitled that they're speaking for the larger Rangers support. How do they know what 50,000 Bears are, are thinking or feeling? They certainly don't speak for me with some of their messages. I agree with the one about Ross Wilson, as as do you. I think I think we've spoken on here at length about his failures and that there has to be a change either in his position or in the quality of his work. So I totally agree with them, but they have overstepped the mark and I think it's sort of coming back to bite them. As long as it doesn't continue, Alan's right. Let's nip this in the bud. Come to an agreement about what's acceptable and what isn't. If you're going to insult the police, not for me, I agree with that, having it taken off. But if you've got a free opinion on on Ross Wilson or Stuart Robinson or even the team or the players, then I have absolutely no problem with that being displayed. But one way or another, it has to be sorted out. But I think, David, people just need to be a bit more grown up about about it and um, remember that 
it's the team that we're going to support or you guys are certainly going, I can't do it, but when you're going, I didn't see the point in walking out. The only people that are punished are, are the players on the pitch who would love the additional backing and probably noticed how quiet it was yesterday. You two are a right pair of boring old bastards, aren't you? Nee well, pyro, you nee singing, nee... Oh, for no, I'm all for pyro. You I'm must singing. have seen ACAB before in your life. Uh, I'm not saying anything, though, because I don't want lifted. So <laughs> I, I, I'll hold my hands up to that straight away. Do you I'm think, not picking no, a fight with a serious question, though. Do you think, though, that something like ACAB, is it just silly wee boys with a message, uh, like a, a statement message, you know, activism, or can it lead to a genuine disrespect for the police? Uh, because I know here, and it's very different culture here, but it leads to a complete lack of regard for the police at the grounds, and they end up fighting a lot of the time with some of the, the, the silly, silly wee yeah. guys that are there well, throwing that, coins. That's that's my concern. I just wouldn't want it to, that, to go Yeah, I mark. mean, no, like, nobody wants to see any... Nobody wants to see people getting arrested, right? So, absolutely. But I've got to say, on that phrase, Christ, I remember people had it in their school books when I was in primary school, you know? It's not a new <laughs> so, phrase. It's been going for, well, literally decades. I mean, that's six decades so not in it's newton merns they didn't well yes yeah, not newton merns certainly maybe maybe down here they did a wee bit more <laughs> um like i i get it and i absolutely get why the police said no you're not flying that um i personally think that a better protest might have been to to say right well, we're not going in for the opening 20 minutes that would have made the point then go in and fly the banner the the wilson one yeah. Um, and that, that would have cleared it all up. But it does well, it does seem to be dividing along, not always, but quite often on age lines. And there is a bit of me now, I'm a man in my mid-40s. I know when I was in my teens and 20s, if a guy my age had told me anything, I'd have told him to sod off, silly old roaster. It's the circle of life. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Let's get into the game now and we'll, we'll oh, move on from this because, as I say... Uh, it, you mentioned earlier, but uh, yeah, let's get into the football. We could be here all day on this one. And like I say, people have got entrenched views on it anyway, so I don't think we're going to change anybody's mind. Let's go to the game itself. Only the one change then, Alan, from the team that played so well at Hibs in midweek. Rangers brought in John Lundstrom for Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack giving the day off after a couple of games in quick succession. And look... Everybody expected Rangers to win. There was never any jeopardy in this match. Rangers were always going to win. Wraith packed their 18-yard box, as you would expect. Rangers maybe lacked a bit of invention. Got the job done 3-0. And it led to some frustration afterwards. People saying that, oh, well, that's a, you know, they played so well midweek and then they played like that at the weekend against a far inferior team. Michael Beale said, well, different tactics, you know, how's it a go? That gives us more space, we can play a bit more. This is always going to be stuffy. And while styles do make a game, I don't disagree with that. I, I go back to a point that we made literally last week on this show, which is, this is what this Rangers team do. They occasionally play really well, but mostly they play like what we witnessed yesterday. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. And I don't even think it's just the likes of Wraith Rovers. David, it could be Kilmarnock coming to Ibrox or Blinken half of the Premier teams too. It is, it's this kind of banks of four or whatever, or, you know, all that they're doing is just crowding out. And it's it's simply just a case of when we can get the first goal. You know, once you get the first goal, and obviously it took us a lot longer. But but again, we think of the Edinburgh stuff. If teams come and attack us and leave spaces, then we'll punish them. But it is this whole conundrum, which we've had for a long time. It's just trying to be able to, I don't know, break the lines, get through or whatever, and get the first goal and then open the game up. 
I wasn't, I mean, obviously I came home and it was like, yeah, performance, cheese, oh, that wasn't up to much. Bottom line is we're through, you know, to be honest with you. It would be great if we could start and get a couple of early goals and so on, but I don't know. As you say, David, we've seen this movie so many times yeah. before. Yeah. Well, Andy, that that's kind of my take on it. It's like the Edinburgh performances are the outliers. That's not how this team plays yep. week in, week out. They're not free scoring, which might sound a bit rich after a 3-0, but they're, they're not a side that goes out and gets sixes and sevens. They don't do it. And... You know, it is one of those situations where I wasn't expecting us to go out and hammer. I actually said in our pre-match yesterday that I thought we'd win 3-0 because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I saw that game being. Rangers having all the ball, trying to break them down. Not the the quickest tempo in the world. Would have been lovely if it wasn't, but it's who they are. There haven't been many of these kind of lower league cup games where we have demolished sides. If you think this season, Queen of the South, even Partick Thistle, they came and had a go at us, which was sort of surprised me a little bit that Wraith didn't have a, have more of a go if they'd watched the Thistle game. I think they watched the Hibs game. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. but I think, like you said, though, that the Hibs game and the Hearts games are more of the outliers. The at home with the crowd a bit more on our backs. I, I was surprised that Wraith didn't have a bit more of a go. But there you go, especially when they went behind. Uh, as Thistle proved, you you can you can do something if the Ibrox crowd is on top. They didn't even have the Union Bears we spoke about, so it might be a wee opportunity for them. But listen, it's it's up to us how we play. It's I, I predicted similar to you. I, I thought we would there would be absolutely no problems in, in us getting through, which there were, which there weren't. I mean, we're, it was never ever in doubt. I think maybe at um, at once the second goal went in, we. Might have hoped to have seen a few more goals at that point, but it did kind of peter out, I think. And the players, they seemed to declare. Then they brought in the subs late on and it kind of freshened things up for a little. But but listen, I can under I can understand that it's, it's a cup tie as well. You know, it's not a league game. It's a cup tie. It's about getting through. They got through the clean sheet. And it's um, it was, as I say, it's just a classic Rangers Cup game against a lower team. No frills, not particularly enjoyable, but enjoyable enough because we got through and we scored a couple of goals. So, yeah, listen, on the whole, it's 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 OK. But you would want at least hope one day in the next in the next year or so that we can start actually, you know, doing a five, six or a seven against a lower league team at home, especially at home. That's what fans pay to come and watch. So it would be nice. But regardless, we're through. We're into semi-final. Another day at Hamden. No complaints. No, and you know that is the the, the key thing in any cup competition. But on a broader note, Alan, I think you know we've all spoken about the change that's needed. And even after a brilliant performance, yeah. an absolutely brilliant performance against Tibbs, right? Really enjoyable night, really enjoyable, great football. I don't think people were in any way deluded after it to say, oh, well, everything's rosy in the garden. Where we are with this, this Rangers team, which will hopefully change quite considerably in the summer, the manager has said it will change in the summer. He actually used the phrase, we need to cut the cord with the past, which suggests that there's going to be, you know, quite deep changes to the squad, both in and out. This team, I think, are more than capable of beating everybody in Scotland at the level they perform at, week in, week out. The evidence under Michael Beale tells us that is the case, that they will beat pretty much anybody in Scotland. The question, of course, is can they raise their game when they come up against the other decent side in Scotland? Obviously Celtic. No, there's, there's scar tissue, David, for a, a number of them over several years. And as you say, against pretty much everyone else, it's fine. It's a, a squish and 
But I, I don't know, even the players that are performing so well, as you say, over at Tynecastle or at, 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 I don't know, Easter Road as well, it does when it, you saw it in the cup final. Uh, and OK, bottom line was when we lost 2-1. But but I really feel as if we're needing like a good number of players, like a, a good handful of quality players coming in who haven't got that scar tissue. And I think the likes of Raskin as well and Cantwell, that's good because that's a couple of guys that have come in and they've not had the... I mean, even the likes of Tav and so on going back, I don't know how many years now, but he's had some of those complete gubbins. And, and at times when you see some of the old firm ones, you just look at some of them and it's as if they're going, here we go again, as opposed to, like, let's get right in about them. Let's actually put challenges in and so on. So I, I don't want to, I know you've criticised me for being negative. In the, I don't want to be really negative overall, but I think everyone knows, David, we need, I don't know, maybe maybe four, four or five really fresh new players. Absolutely. And people, and again, even we were talking about it as well, old boys in the bus, but see, even the 70s and so on, we brought in young guys like the likes of Parley and Johnson and so on. We just, we weren't scared of Celtic. You know, you'd go to these old firm games and we'd young guys going, we don't give a shit, you know, Bobby McKinnon getting into them. But this, I don't know, this team, there does seem to be this, oh my God, it's them again. I don't, and we need. I think we need people coming in saying Celtic. I'm no bothered. I've got enough to bring to it, you know. But the rest of the league, quite frankly, we're comfy, David. You know, but it's it's just getting up to that next, uh, you know, the next level. And as you say, being able to, and and the thing is, a lot of those guys have done really okay. They've done well for us over the years, and they've been good servants and so on. But I do. I think you said about cutting the cord. We do. I think we need to go with quite a few of them and go. Thanks. We really appreciate all your efforts and so on. We just need to change things, yeah. Andy? I very much agree with, with Alan. I, I think when you look at guys like, I look at Tavernier and Goldson, Kent and Jack being the four from this era that are likely to stay, but I feel that they will at some point move on as well in the near future. Like I see this happening in sort of two transitions. We expect Kamara, Barisic, Morelos... Uh, McGregor Davis, of course, Helen. Like, there is going to be a big group of players, probably Arfield, that will move on, and that's what I, I consider the first half of this recycle. You can't, we can't change the entire squad, so we, we, we will see three or four guys who have been here for a while stay. But I see them having to move on as well. And as much as Tav is, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's been a, an incredible servant, incredible amount of goals and assists and goal contributions, but. He is part of that era, and, and we, we spoke about the, the hammerings that he's been part of against Celtic. I, I think, by my reckoning, he's, he's played in about 30 old firm games and won seven or eight um, and been on some absolute stuffings during that. That game last year in, at the start of February where we lost at Parkhead, that was the sort of turning point. We'd had a great run up until that point against them um, with the, the league championship season and then the Hellander 1-0 game. But that that we haven't won a league game basically since that Hellander game. And um, mm. it's too long in, in Rangers to go 18 months without a, a league win against Celtic is just far, far too long. <laughs> yeah, new players are an absolute must. And it's, it's the spine of the team. It's guys who don't have the scar tissue, maybe people with a bit more of a winning mentality or a leadership mentality. And um, that can be part of the next the next cycle. I, I do believe it will take time to to change it. You know, three, four first first choice players starters would be fantastic. Is it enough? It could well be, but it has to be. It has to be the start of, as I say, the next kind of three to five years, and eventually we'll see a completely different Rangers team. In my opinion, I think we have to in order to be successful. And, and, and do we have the money as well? As a question to get some well, real quality, well, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and the free transfer market will be busy because we're not going to be spending 20 million on, on new players. We might spend a third of that on new players, but uh, there, are, there are players there. We, we know that there are, there, are, there are various markets that we should be exploring more. And, mm. But either way, we should be absolutely doing whatever we can to bring in fresh talent, uh, a combination of experienced players who can bring something straight away and one or two project players like your Yilmazes and your Hadjis, guys like that, to, to develop over sort of two to three years before they move on. And I think if we do that, then, then we'll be fine. Because there, there is, David, and I'm sure you guys both agree, that we've seen enough in the last three months, basically since Bill's been here, that we have got a good squad of players. Like you've said, you know, we beat, we're capable of beating everyone in the country, really with the exception of, of Celtic. So to get that extra 10, 15% is a case of 10, 10 or 15% extra quality in the squad. Um, so that has to be absolutely the, the priority. Yeah, and I, that, that I think is a very fair point. It's, it's about that next step because, as we all know, we've spoken about this on here before, about we could be on for a massive points total this season and it doesn't matter a hoot. Um, if, if we got 76 points and they got 75, everybody would be over the moon. Um, if we got 100 points this year and they got 101, the season's been a disaster. That's Glasgow. That's Scottish football. That's who we are. Um, and it isn't going to change. On to a kind of broader topic here, and I'll, I'll stick with you, Andy, and then come to you um, on it, Alan. And that is, I've kind of quite enjoyed, if you like, the discussion about when Rangers play at their best. But it also concerned me slightly. The manager said, well, you know, Hibs will have a go and they did and look what happened. And, you know, we know against Hearts, various other games, Aberdeen when they came, another good performance this season in the league when Aberdeen came and had a right go and, and Rangers beat them 4-1. What incentive is there for any of the other clubs in Scotland to ever, even at mm -hmm. their own ground, do that then? Um are we now just sort of condemned to this is what we're going to watch? And if so, then does the team need to be built with that in mind? Yeah, so I think, first of all, David, there's been some interesting talk about formation changes as a potential option. And I, I like the sound of that, uh, not simply for the case, you know, the sake of changing it, but if it gives us an, an alternative way of playing when we're up against more teams that we don't need to have four at the back, perhaps only three, I think that could be a good thing. So that's interesting. We we also need better players to to come in and, and try new ways and fresher ways of, of trying to get past stuffy defences. The crowd as well at Ibrox has to be more patient. Sometimes I don't believe that will happen, just the nature of what our support is like. But if we accept that most teams will come to Ibrox with a view of trying to defend and keep us out and hope that they snatch something late on, then it, it can be difficult. It can be a, a difficult atmosphere to play in. Just one thing that you asked, David, you asked about the, the incentive for teams that come to Ibrox. I think, and it's not just Ibrox, it's also Parkhead as well, but St Mirren, uh, Livingston, St Johnson, there's certainly been some teams that have shown, and especially at their home games as well, that they can take points off the old firm teams uh, by attacking and catching us cold. And then they can sort of sit back. If, if you get in Rangers' faces, it's, it's, this squad of players have not always been able to respond. So I would say that's the incentive. But as we was maybe shown that that we've found a way now to to deal quite easily with teams that do open up. And the next thing to do is look at ways of... of getting past teams that don't and uh, that's got to be again another one of Michael Beale's main priorities because that once he achieves that once we have a way of doing it that we're confident teams I think will start to fear us a lot more which I think is in, in the long run is going to be a very good thing. Yeah it, Rangers are a solid in terms of results yet unspectacular side you know you're right we do get the job done we've got the job done in every game 
bar one in the league since Michael Beale came in, and even that was a draw. So it's they are more than capable of doing it. It's, it's very rarely thrilling, but they are certainly capable of, of going and getting the victory. To take this point on then, one, Alan, it's an age-old thing. Martin, he's going to love me here for getting a plug in for his book. Martin's book, Dominant, 1986 <laughs> to 1998, is now available. Go on Amazon, you'll be able to get it. Go on the Heart and Hand site, you'll be able to get it, and he'll even sign it for you. But um, it, it, we did the podcast with him. Again, it's going out free now every week, folks. You should check it out. It's excellent. But it's a debate we had all the way through that show about the balance between what you need to win in Scotland and what you mm-hmm. need to do well in Europe. And Rangers have been much more successful than Celtic in Europe over the last five years. Celtic have, unfortunately, been much more successful domestically than Rangers over the last five years. And the issue would then come where you say, well, well, we'll take a couple of years where we need to build for domestic. We've got to be winning domestic trophies. And I get that, and that would always be my thing. But then on the other hand, you'll have people correctly saying, oh, well, hang on here. If we don't do at least moderately well in Europe, i.e. group stage, then we've got no money, so you can forget about domestic as well. It it becomes a slight catch-22. And this is not new. We've talked about it. We talked about it under Walter. We talked about it under Advocate. We talked about it under Sunnis. It's always there because of the strange wee league that Scotland is, the the status that Rangers have in it, it's everybody's cup final, etc. It's just striking that balance. I think you're right. And yeah, as you say, I mean, we're talking decades, David. So in effect, what you have got is, and now some of these away grounds that we're going to, you actually feel a bit more confident now. It's okay because we'll go away. They'll get chances against us, but we'll get chances. But as you say, it's the conundrum really at Ibrox before you even go to the next, what we're going to do in Europe too. A, A real toughie. I think you're talking about individuals as well. You need people that are, it's not just all systems and everyone can predict. I think the Livingston manager said that, you know, the way Rangers play and it goes to the right and they whip it in and we clear it and so on. So you need more of these creative, the likes of your Hadjis and your, I don't know, your Cantwells and so on and players that can do that. But again, I think it kind of deeper as well at the back. You know, there has to be, I don't know, but there need to be ways of unlocking them, you know, and getting on. But, but to me, I think you really need to sprinkle a number of really creative players within there. And it must be so, I mean, it definitely must keep Michael Beale, you know, up at night as well, because we know now, David, in terms of the patience thing that Andy said, I think it's a good point. Believe it or not, I think a lot of us are beginning to come a wee bit more patient. I mentioned at the start, you just go and you're like, when will we get the first goal? When can we get the first goal? You know, it's... But I really don't know because we don't have the massive resources now, you know, to, as you say, we tried during the whole dominant one to ineffective players who could do well in Europe, but didn't do it at home and so on. And and the biggie as well, David, is if we don't kind uh, of do well enough at home too and then get into Europe and get a run, we're just going to be trying to catch up all the time. So Yeah, and that, that's, that's a problem, Andy, that it's all right saying, well, we need to do, you know, focus on domestic and I would agree because I want to see his yeah. win trophies at home but the imperative financially comes from you need a run yeah you need you need to be getting group stage European football be it the Europa League or whatever, but you need to be doing it here's here's something I, it's just a slightly random thing to ask one thing I, I feel we lack as a team is we, no, we don't seem to take a lot of shots from like far out oh, no. right? manager said that yesterday manager said it, he wants more of it 
and uh, yes, I, I wasn't aware that manager said that. I, I didn't catch that comment. But when you think about it, I mean, it's some, first of all, it gets the crowd going. Um, you know, when you think what I mean, we don't expect George Alberts to, to stroll up all the time. We're not going to get a player like that so easily. But we have got players surely that can score from far out, or at least players that should be taking a shot. And th- listen, if you, if you test goalkeepers and it spills and you can get something from that, Rangers need to really go 2-0 up at home before the crowd really relaxes and then the opposition comes and opens up. So that's, you know, got to be thinking of how can we get 2-0 up? How can we get two goals in the first half? Uh, and taking more attempts at goal and, and, and doing stuff like that might be a way to do it. But yeah, if it, if it happens and we can do that, we start to really rack up a lot more goals and then as I say I think the long term effect David residual effect is that teams will start to fear us maybe they, they've, they fear that other mob across the city and you know they're beating 5-0 before they get there and, and that's what we want you know we want teams to think well you know we're not, we're not going to make it difficult for Rangers Rangers are going to make it difficult for us to come out of this without being embarrassed I want that mindset to change and it's, it's only up to us to do it so if we can get the right players that are able to to help us get there then yeah the sooner the sooner rather than the better I don't think it's a problem. I mean, it's a problem for us, David, obviously, in Scotland. But I think even in England, I don't know about you, you watch some of the English games and some of the ones in the continent, the teams seem to be coached again. So more and more of them just go into that, as it blocks a four or whatever it would be, and they go from side to side, and even against some of the top sides. So certainly it's a, a big conundrum for us too, but I think it's just the way football was blooming changed as well. And there aren't as many Gazas who just go... I'll tell you what, I'll just beat a guy. You know, there's, mm. it's as if they're all kind of, they've all been developed to, you've got to do this, you've got to all go up there in patterns and individuals, you know, the likes of your Davy Coopers and people like that who would just, because all they do is they do something different. Somebody goes, shit, I'll need, I'll need to leave my marker and go to him and things open up. So just a wee bit more of that as well, I think would help us. Yeah, I think that's a good point that football has become a game um, well, the tactical side of it is, is more than it's ever been. And everybody in the team has multiple jobs now. And I think you're right that, that sometimes managers fear a player who might offer you that, that, that ability to, to just go in and, and get past players or take a man on and do something out of the ordinary, but you'll lose from the structure yes, of yeah. the side. And I think that that is very much uh, an issue. And it is something that concerns managers that, well, yeah, I can rely on them to do X, but can I trust them to do Y? And because of that, you you need to find someone who is capable of doing both. And He mentioned Ryan Kent. Sorry, he mentioned Ryan Kent and Cantwell and so on. And I think he said that I want some of these players to be able to just decide, I'll go over here, I'll do this, I'll do. And I just think we need a wee bit more of that within our you know, our kind of shape and so on. But there's got to be more of that. Oh, my goodness, they're going from this side to that side. The guy's doing something different. Because the predictability, we all see it, don't we? And it goes down to Borna and he whips it. And it's the easiest thing in the world to just stand in the box in Scottish football, isn't it? And just clear it. It has to be a a terrific cross, a good run. Uh Um, It all has to go right for that to, to go in. And you're right, I think teams are far more comfortable playing against that. And I think we saw that yesterday as well, Andy, when Rangers played through Wraith, they struggled when Rangers, and this is not a dig at Barisic, he did put in some terrific crosses, but they were dealt with. Um, although, fair play, you know, we got the goal from the corner out of that. But I, I tend to agree, and it is guys like Cantwell, and we see what he can do. He he links up. I don't think he's going to be prolific, but we've already mentioned Cantwell, different type of player to what we maybe expected from him. He's involved 
at multiple points in a move. You know, he must be an absolute dream to play with because he's the guy who who, re, who gets the ball when it's maybe in danger of breaking down, becomes available for somebody and then keeps the move going. Like a, a slightly further forward, Stephen Davis, um, in regards to that. And the big thing about him and Raskin that's encouraged all of us is I think that our midfield for the past wee while has had a tendency to play if you like, from west to east and east to west rather than mm-hmm. from north to south and south yeah. to north. And that is it. They they go, they they look to pass forward quickly. They they certainly do. They they pass for it's also great that you see how the Raskin was looking after uh, Cantwell yesterday when uh, there was a wee bit of uh, RJ <laughs> Barge. I love to see that. They're building up a nice uh, relationship, nice bonding in the part, which is it just bodes well for the future. But yeah, you saw even in the cup final, and I don't want to talk about the cup final too much, but the minute that they came on, the ball started to go forward instead of being cutting back and it almost reverted to the, the geo horseshoe uh, when it's launched from Kamara and, and to a lesser extent, Jack. Jack can do bring the ball forward, but he brings, he brings us a lot else. Absolutely. I think with Raskin and, and, and Cantwell, you have forward thinking players, and it's the thing is, is that their numbers, like you mentioned there about Cantwell, isn't going to be prolific. He wouldn't contribute a lot of goals and assists, but it's the secondary assists and the, and the, the phases of play, the amount of free kicks he's going to win for us. These kind of numbers will not go um, unnoticed by those who understand them and appreciate them. But if you were just looking simply for goals and assists, that's not his game. It's far, more, far, far greater than that and far more in-depth, the overall contribution of what he does. But turning defence into attack with a quick pass, turning a a move and a pass and opening your body shape up, that is just um, something that we badly lacked. And and I think now that we have two players that can do it, one very physical, the other can be physical, but certainly much more kind of creative. Um, It's it's very exciting. It really is that we finally got two players like that. And I'm hoping, really, really hoping that they are the the sort of foundation of of the next Revolutionary Ranger. I'm not happy about them though, guys, the two of them, because I've heard about the past two months until they came just screaming, does everything need to go back to goals and does everything? A bit disappointed now because, as yeah. you say, they're actually getting the ball and, as Davy says, they're actually going south to north or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first instinct. How can I play this forward quickly? Um, there was an incident yesterday and it sounds like I'm picking on him and I'm not, but Lundstrom won the ball. A great challenge. A very similar position to where. Uh, uh, Raskin won it in midweek against Hibs. Raskin's first thought, he immediately passed it straight forward, sets the call off, led to a goal. Um, if you actually look at it, he Lundstrom goes and wins the ball and is already turning <laughs> back to, re- to, to send it back to goal. And it's not his fault, that's his job, that's what he does. And he did it well. He went, he saw an opportunity to win the ball that Rangers didn't have, won it and kept it in our possession, but it's just that that you know, it, it it means five or six passes before we get back to the position. Whereas we just drove on, there's one. But again, that's that risk reward thing. He's thinking if I give the ball away here, there's a big space in the middle where I'm supposed to be. And mm-hmm. so it, it it's trying to almost unlearn players out of habits. Um, and maybe again, it's horses for courses. Maybe you go right. We're going to be looking to break a team down today. This isn't your game. However, we're away at Parkhead or we're playing in Europe or whatever, that is your game. So yeah, it is, yeah. it's, it's about having that balance within the squad. You don't want identical players. One player, Andy, it looks as though we won't be seeing at Ibrox next year is Alfredo Morelos. Uh, speculation that he has already signed a pre-contract with Sevilla. Uh, Michael Beale said that he hasn't heard anything to suggest that that is the case. But he did say that he wants more from him. He has to show more energy. He said he's been doing all right, but I want to see a bit more from him. Um, now again, you could read into that 
what you will. But he did mention he wanted to keep Ryan Jack and Ryan Kent and wouldn't be quite drawn into saying the same about Morelos. Now, it could be, of course, that Morelos has signed a pre-contract and he's simply just preparing the ground for that. But all in all, it you get the vibe that if Jack or Kent leaves, it'll be because they want to leave. You get the impression that if Morelos leaves, then Beal might not necessarily be quite as upset about that. Certainly in terms of priorities, I, I find it very difficult to look at it and say that he's anything other than third in Beal's eyes. Nah, yeah, I spoke to my brother about this the other day. If you look at Alfie, he, he's now had, what, three, four months with Michael Beal and he hasn't looked any sharper or fitter in my opinion. I mean, maybe you guys at the game, you see it, but I do not see any level of work from him when he plays at all from what he's capable of. He is clearly, clearly out of shape. Now, Beal's had a few months to work with him, and at one point he was the only available striker, so he, he did okay. He you know, had a couple of decent games, scored a couple of decent goals, but it's it's not enough. Beal is 100% right. It's not enough, and he sees him every day. He must be scratching his head because he obviously knows and remembers what a good player he was. But he doesn't, I don't see, offer us anything at all at the moment. We know how good a player he can be, how good a player he was. But this Alfredo Morelos is contributing very little. Uh, he does get the occasional goal, but a couple of goals in a month is not what you need for a guy uh, who's leading the line for us. And it's for me, he has to go. He has to be moved on. He's done us a great turn. He's probably somebody we'll miss and we'll miss the, the moments, but He's had too many chances, and I think Michael Beale knows that better than anybody. And yeah, I, you could be right. I mean, the question is though, if he has signed a, a pre-contract and he's already got one eye out the door, and he's not even first choice, is it worthwhile even playing him or even having a backup uh, for games? I mean, in in the league, maybe perhaps in the cup, but like, would you maybe bring in somebody else as a, as a reserve striker and, and let Cholak see the season out? Um, I tend to think if you're paying someone, then play them, you know, or use them if you want to, um, but I mean if he's still earning a wage from you then yeah, you might as well use them if the person comes in and half arses it and doesn't try yeah, then that's, that's completely different, obviously but we haven't seen, I don't think evidence from that Morelos, he's still scoring goals he's still um, contributing you might not want him as your long-term striker, but for me I'm not into this automatic, oh, he signed for someone else, get rid, can he play for us again? As you get towards the end of the season, perhaps, and, you know, the games maybe aren't quite as, as meaningful, then I think you, de- you you can then go, right, will we have a look at Lovelace? You know, will we have a look at... But, but there's no roof there. Yeah. Not going to be until... <laughs> not going to be, we'll start, <laughs> let's be honest. You know, yeah. be back for four I would say maybe again. a game like yesterday, like someone like Lovelace could have been brought in maybe as yeah, a, I, for, I, for, I, for Cholak in the last I 10 can minutes. Under, yeah, I can understand that. I think that's a legit shout. Um, uh, him or a Robbie Ewer could have been um, featuring yesterday. But yeah, if someone's there and they're taking up you know, wages and they're training okay, I, I'm not against it particularly. But clearly, Bill is going with Cholak on the grounds of, well, I know you're going to be here next year, or, you know, the chances are, anyway. So, yeah, um, all very interesting. And on that then, and I just want to ask you this, we'll finish up on this, and I want to get the listeners to this as well, because it got me thinking. Our friend Stevie Clifford was telling me in the car that he had to have the conversation with his boys, very young, um, uh, they're, they're, they're not even 10 yet, and their first Rangers hero is Alfredo Morelos. 
and Stevie had to have the difficult conversation with him where he sat him down <laughs> and he said, look, sometimes players leave and he was explaining to them that Alfie might be going and he said his youngest, who is, is very small, he said, all right then, so we just support the team he goes to then. And Stevie, no, um, that's not what we do. Um, we have to. Uh, and it did make me actually think of a broader thing, which is that Alfie has been the first hero to a lot of Rangers kids. And uh, something that I think he should be appreciated for, incidentally, because that was a generation that was growing up without one. And unfortunately, the, the, the one before it did. Because, you know, with all due respect, nobody was putting posters up of John Daly or... Nicky Clark on the bedroom walls. So it he did provide that that link into the club. And it got me thinking about who was mine and who was yours, where you can be sad when a player leaves. I'll be sad when Morelos leaves. Um, and you can be sad, obviously, when a good player leaves your, your whole life. But I don't think there's any heartbreak, like your first heartbreak. And I was thinking about it. So I'll kick us off here. My first one, Alan, was Terry Butcher. Because yeah. it was the soonest revolution when players came to Rangers, right? And the ones that went, we didn't want. And look, now I'm older. I know why Soonest did it. Butcher was on the wane. We had Richard Goff there. All of that, absolutely. I know now. And had I been in my, you know, my 20s or 30s, I would have understood it. And because it was Graham Soonest that did it, I was okay with it because Soonest was well, God, basically, right? But when Terry Butcher left, I was absolutely heartbroken. That's the one that sticks with me. Who was yours? I was fortunate because John Gregg never left there. And he was like my hero, like he was like my dad and the you know, the Rangers captain, whatever. So but in terms of the one that as a young kid who ultimately moved on would be Colin Steen. Because at that point when we sing Colin Steen for Hibs, David, and it was a couple of hat tricks and then a, a couple in a European game and you know, so at that point in time, I that would probably have been my kind of first. And from then, I had a number of them. Obviously, Willie Johnson and, you know, people that came and went parlaying and so on. But mm. no, John Gregg, obviously for me, just for, been a wee laddie and fortunately stayed all the way through. But now when Colin Steen went that hard, and it was great when he actually came back, although he wasn't up to the, you know, what he was like before he left, but to win the league with a Colin Steen header, in a way, it kind of softened it for me, David. You know, Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Andy, who's yours? Well, the one that I think um, earliest hurt the most was probably Brian Loudrop. Uh, Butcher I wasn't too bothered about because we had all like Kuznetsov coming in and I, I was just getting into supporting the team really at that point, like going. But I'll tell you the one that angered me the most, and that was Barry, Fer <laughs> that was Barry Ferguson, because I felt that he was abandoning the sinking ship, which to be fair, he did. And I was so gutted and so pissed off that he left us uh, right when we just won the treble we just got qualified for the champions league and we knew everything was kind of falling apart a little bit but he would have been the one guy to keep it together but i'll tell you what i was even more pissed off when he came back because i thought well you've made your bed you can fucking sleep in it there you go that's mine Oof, don't that's that, I, I, I'll, I'll be i'll be i was gutted when he left but yeah. i was delighted when he came back that's the only transfer window i've ever stayed up for um yeah. The, the whole night just sort of celebrating when he came back that time. But yeah, listeners, let us know. I mean, I think um, my mate I was talking to about it for him, it was George Alberts. 
was his first one that he remembers just being mm-hmm. gutted and asking his dad and not understanding. Like, but why? <laughs> why isn't he staying? And why is he not going to be here next season? And I, I thought, well, yeah, that that was a good one as well. But but who was yours? Have you got any unusual one? Was there a player that you thought was really good and was let go? even though he maybe hadn't quite had the the opportunities. I remember years ago, a friend of mine saying, I always thought Chris Vinicom was going to be a good player for us. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, Chris Vinicom. Um, that, I bet, that, that I bet you guy. somebody says, I bet you there are some people that will say Josh Windass. I'm, I'm more than certain. Hey, that listen, if that's right? their age, that's, that's yeah. it. It is an age-related thing. It's that, and it is, it's your first one, right? Not... Not like if you were thirty and it was Loudrop, I get it, but it was who was the woman you were a wee boy, and not only were you got, you just didn't really quite understand what was happening. That's the one we want to hear about, right? Then, folks, uh, I tell you what, we'll send in the best one. We'll give a prize to. I can't say fair on that, right? Uh, that'll do us for today. I'd just like to thank our executive producers, London Knightley and Paul Myers, and to thank my two guests today. First of all, the the wonderful Mister Alan Bradley. Thank you, David. I've really enjoyed it, but I'm a wee bit concerned now. Because the, the Barnett and Bradley company, I've seen a new side of Andy Barnett now talking about blinking wee Barry. So mm. I'll need to make sure I just, you know, I'm up to the mark in terms of what we're doing. Yeah. Well, you you probably need to worry more about the, the upcoming banner at the game that says, um, <laughs> <laughs> that says old, Brad, old Bradley as a bastard. So, you know, that's, that's the one you need to worry about. And of course, the splendid Andy Barnett. Well, I can only say uh, thank you to both yourself and to my uh, future business partner, Mr. Alan Bradley. I have no concerns whatsoever about uh, going into business with Alan. No, he's a very trustworthy gentleman. Right, folks, uh, thank you very much for listening. Of course, the second of our free shows will be out later this week. It is Martin's Dominant Show, and then Heart and Hand Extra with Cammy will be with you later in the week as they look ahead to the trip to Motherwell on Saturday. So until then, if you want to hear more from us, you know what to do. Go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. And until then, I'll speak to you then. Bye-bye, everyone.